When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required. with Ken McCusick. We're going to look back at the Week 16 win, maybe the biggest win of uh, the Ravens clearly this year, but as they won 10-22 over the Chargers. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Hi, Josh. How's it going? I'm doing all right. I know I upset you with the uh, with the score reading every single time we do it, 
but it doesn't really matter because the only thing that matters is that the Ravens number is larger than the Chargers number. There you go. Great game. Uh, a lot of fun. And, and definitely I agree with you. Best win in a very long time. Right. Even the, the Pittsburgh game earlier this year, great win on the road, kind of similar in some senses. And it's always great to beat the Steelers. But in terms of it being really a playoff caliber team and, you know, a pre-playoff preview, we hope all the playoff leverage involved in this game. Uh, definitely the best win of the year. Yeah. And before we get into uh, L.A., I should have I should have just written L.A. really big in my notes because I'm probably going to say San Diego, as uh, the NFL Network did multiple times on their pregame coverage. <laughs> I, before I get to that, I want to – we got to cover real quick Friday night because it's kind of weird to look at it. It feels silly to talk about it now two days after such a huge win. But uh, on Friday night, the Ravens put out on their Twitter around 7 o'clock, John Harbaugh will continue as our head coach for the 2019 season. He and we are working on an extension to his existing contract, which expires after 2019. Uh, why do you think the Ravens felt the need to put this out on Friday night? Oh, it's, it's a little bit of an odd time, but obviously they want to get rid of a lot of the discussion. And, and obviously, you know, you and I know that the discussion and the carpings never get louder than after a loss. Right. So you always a risk. Of course, you're going on the road. It's a big game. It's also a season defining game. So if they lost the game, it's certainly over. Uh, you just don't want to have the, the talk come up all again the very next day if, if you lose that ball game. So I think the timing was good. I think, you know, they, they sealed it up. John's still going to be around. That's great. Uh, I think it's a very good decision for the team in general to, to, to have him. Uh, I think he's shown the ability to deal with Jackson, and, and, a, and a lot of his staff would probably stay with him, uh, including Urban and you know Morningweg and people like that who have some experience working with running quarterbacks and will be fairly important to the development of Lamar. So I think it's I think it's a good good call by the Ravens, and uh, you know I thought they had, they announced it at what is probably an opportune time. Do you think? I was trying to figure out if it was one to shut people up because Preston had an article that morning. Lock and Fora had an article earlier in the week about Harbaugh moving on. or But I also kind of wondered if it was, hey, this is a really big game. The optics of us making this announcement after a losing season, after a loss, isn't that good. Uh, let's get it out here now before we get knocked out of the playoffs. Well, they, you know, a lot of people have, have commented on that, that. That means they weren't confident of winning the game. I mean, I think you don't want to go through all the talk again every single after every single loss that's that can be really annoying everyone more you know of, of a burden than the last it's it, it's frankly it's been a very good year for the ravens given their circumstances you know they lost their quarterback for a period of time they had to replace him and they did just fine and and in the process they decided that lamar jackson is ready right now and doesn't have to wait a year and uh, and that's what that's exactly what you got to look at john harbaugh this season and the way that he coached with with shifting that team from a pass happy team to a run first team, and all the same players except for quarterback, and make it success, a successful transition. I don't know if that's ever been done before in the NFL. No, it's a, it's a it's a very strange transition. You certainly couldn't do it without a great defense behind it, and that's really been what's at the heart of the Ravens. So, uh, yeah, it's it's he's been very fortunate to be able to do that. Billick. 
uh, was able to make not really that sort of a change because the Ravens always had that great defense in the era, but the, the 2003 Ravens certainly were a very extreme run team with a rookie quarterback, Kyle Bowler, and then a bad quarterback in Wright, uh, you know, right. who sure. took over the playoffs. And so it's, sure. it, it, can, it can be done. Right. Um, and, of course, this statement was put out by the front office, not by John Harbaugh and the team. A lot of players didn't even know until it was tweeted out. So as far as confidence, there's two different confidences. We want the team to have confidence. The warehouse has to prepare for the business decisions, win or lose. So, um, But let's get – I think that's enough on the John Harbaugh extension. It looks really good to the Ravens now after a win like Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Uh, great, great game. And, uh, you know, we were out there, wonderful atmosphere, by the way. If you ever had a question about live sporting events, what I'm going to tell you is go to football on the road. It is so much fun to go watch the Ravens play on the road and being in a kind of a semi-hostile environment because that's certainly not what you really get in L.A. You get a, you know, a non-violent environment, certainly. But you, you get a – they were excited football fans, and the Chargers have, have fans as well, believe it or not. And they're really into football, and and both sides were very engaged in that game, and and uh, it, it was just it was one of the best for uh, really having that excitement going both ways. All right, for a few more days, this soccer field is still called StubHub Stadium. Uh-huh. Uh, what is the atmosphere like like that in a smaller stadium? Yeah, so it it's um, it's a very intimate arena. You go cro- you grow used to it i think as the game goes along but the the field takes up much more room relative to the stands is one way i just put it when you're you're at the m&t m&t is a monstrous building yeah. with the with the field looks small in the middle of it if you're if you're in the middle of the upper deck somewhere but that's not the case uh, in StubHub at all you're 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 closer to the field because it's a soccer field it's a little bit wider than a football field normally would be so you're a little bit more removed from the seats but we've seen that in the old baseball facilities that right. hosted both baseball and football particularly in baltimore you saw you know you're a long way from the from the football field when when you're uh, at certain points in the stands so right. uh it's it's uh i think it's it's a very nice place good sight lines no problem with that the seats are okay they're they're you know regular they're a little bit low for some reason but they're but they're you know they're good seats and well because soccer fans are all short is that what it is? Yeah, okay. it's just straight across the board. Yeah, right. Um, it makes me wonder if the future of stadiums is smaller attendance, a smaller seating areas thanks to technology advances at home. And right. Then, and then that way you don't have these constant attendance questions and, and pushing. I mean, I, I don't know how uh, attendance in is L.A. You, you better be selling out all those games. I know the Chargers aren't the number one bill in there, but for a small uh, crowd, you would think that generally would go in your favor. Yeah, I mean it is a pricey ticket, uh, and as far as I can tell, the the, you know, the seats are sold out. You should be able to tell that. Uh, probably about twenty five percent Ravens fans. I would I would estimate at this just by looking around, seat to seat kind of thing. Uh, you get obviously a better ability to make that judgment in a smaller arena like that. A lot of a lot of good tailgating by Ravens fans outside. It wasn't completely dominated by Chargers fans, so you, you did see a fair amount and a good amount of mingling between the two fan bases. Because let's face it, L.A. is a transient city. It's right. not a lot of people who are there, and and a, lot, a fair number of the people 
who were Ravens fans, they lived somewhere out in California, and this was an opportunity for them to go to a game. It wasn't a lot of people who traveled across the country okay. to go to the game. There was, there was relatively little of that. Well, yeah, so, it's, a, uh, it's a tough weekend for a travel road game. Yeah, and right, yeah, right by Christmas, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of family obligations and all. So um, Ravens had everything going against them, just even leading out there with this, as we talked last week, the short mm-hmm. week, the travel schedule, uh, the, the fact that the Chargers had the extended week. But this game started off, and immediately the momentum went Ravens' way. Yeah, yeah, that was exciting. That, that, that Carr really made an outstanding play on the football. That, that was a ball skills play all the way. So was Humphrey's interception, by the way, at the end of the game, which is really nice to see their corners finding the football in the air and not just knocking it away, as they've been doing all year, but going up and getting the football. Hey, wait a minute. We've got both hands. We can put both hands on right. the football and secure it. But uh, it, it was very nice to see that. Yeah, and, and in that first half, they had multiple opportunities to extend the lead. They kept getting the field goals, but it seemed like even with the field goals, even when they had to punt, they seemed like they still maintained the momentum thanks to this defense. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they they, they outsnapped the Chargers thirty nine to twenty one in the first half, so they really held a, a one sided advantage there. Um, but uh, but yeah, they they missed lots of opportunities. I mean, they went for it on fourth and three. I really didn't like that decision, but I guess you know it was explained reasonably well on TV. Exactly. The only way you can explain it is that is that they really believed in their defense to be able to hold them, had they not succeeded on that. And, they, and gave, that is what it is. It's it's when you're playing that type of off, when you're playing with that type of offensive plan and you've got that type of defense, field position is almost as important as, as points. Yeah, I think you're exactly right on that. That's uh, that's really what it comes down to is uh, they believed in it and. You know, it's interesting. They gave Crabtree multiple chances to catch a football. The first time they threw it to him, that was really a catchable ball. He needed to wrest that ball away from the opponent, and then they kicked the field goal, the first field goal in the next play. And then on the fourth and two that they went for, they threw threw it over his head, and he'd already, unfortunately, committed an offensive pass interference foul anyway. So it was a a lousy kind of a circumstance there, but – but I, it was a game where Crabtree, I'm not even sure if he had even one catch. He might have been targeted just those two times, in fact, during the game. But he, he didn't have – he had, did have one. Yeah, he had one, one later because I remember being surprised that they went to him again. I thought he'd yeah. be just in the uh, Lamar Jackson doghouse, if not the John Harbaugh doghouse. Yeah, well, there you go. He had one catch for 20 later in the game and four targets. Right. Um, all right, we're gonna get, we'll really get into the offense in a couple of days. This is the defensive podcast. But we do need want to talk. I do want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson just briefly because uh, it seemed like the Chargers did decide let's focus on the run and let's force <laughs> Lamar to to beat us with throwing the ball. Well, you know they certainly did not get the did not get any part of the Ravens stopped in the first half. The Ravens did played by the Jackson formula, we'll call it in the first half, which is dominate snap count. Yes. It's, you know, roll up a, uh, a lot of rushing yards. You, you, you're a threat to run in any situation. You convert a lot of third downs and you uh, maintain possession even when the opponent knows the run is coming. So, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's first and ten. You lead by seven points with seven minutes to go. They know the run's coming and you're going to run it right down the throat anyway. And, and the Ravens have been very successful 
doing that. Obviously, against some tired teams and against some not so great defenses, the Chargers posed a little bit better uh, uh, opponent in that sense, and certainly a, a a quality that is equivalent to any team in the playoffs. I would say that they'll face. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a it was a good test for this offense. Yeah, it seems like Lamar is growing in each game and. Here he went up against his, his toughest opponent that he's gotten because he can only go against what's on the schedule, and it worked out well. That's 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 right. You know, they didn't they didn't the first half went by the Lamar formula. Of course, the second half really didn't. So they they led 39-21 in snaps of the half, but they only won the final snap count sixty to fifty seven. Now okay. you know when you say you only win the final snap count sixty to fifty seven, that's still good. Okay, but they got out snapped pretty badly in the second half. 36 to 21 after after winning the first half 39 21 they just couldn't get any first downs in the second half other than the long touchdown pass and the play that immediately right. preceded it they hardly did anything um they converted only four of 13 times on third down for the game of course uh, jackson had been converting at a much higher rate than that coming into this game and they went three and out from their own two yard line to give the chargers a 39 yard field with three minutes left leading only by six now just to, to put that in perspective my immediate thoughts at that point were i'm not sure if it wouldn't be better if the punt was blocked by a td for a td and they had to come from behind with three minutes to go i was not sure if that wouldn't have been a better result at that point all right we we were having a different discussion when watching the game and i saw a few people online with the same thoughts is mm -hmm. why wouldn't you just take the safety when either uh, way it's more than a field goal well, here's the thing. This right, the safety would make it a four-point game, and it would bring you out to the 20-yard line. You kick it off again, and maybe that's a little bit better. But if you if you give up the touchdown and trail by one, if you give it up immediately right. and you maintain three minutes on the clock for, you know, the Ravens to try to get an offensive drive mounted, if you if you don't do that, then you have to get a stop. And the rules of the National Football League, and you're facing Philip Rivers, make it almost impossible to get a four-down stop against a competent quarterback, and Phillip Rivers is more than that. Even though they'd swarmed over him in that second half, they played very well against him, they hadn't yet gotten any turnovers other than after, since the first play of the game by Carr. Okay, so there's three minutes left. They still only had that one turnover. They did have some sacks. Now, what that meant is they had to find some way to generate variance and to get some big plays, and of course, it only took them a couple of plays before they found exactly that big play. They got the fumble from Gates, run back for the touchdown, and the, and the lights went out for the Chargers at that point. So uh, it was great that they got the stop. I just didn't have a lot of confidence, honestly, with a 39-yard field right. that they're going to be able to, able to stop Rivers on four downs at some point in there. Sure. And, and it was close. He, was, he uh, definitely had a much better second half. All right. Uh, before, one more quick thing. Before we get into the defense, let's look at the playoff scenario because big things happened this weekend for the Ravens as the Steelers lost on Sunday. Yeah, huge things happening. So it really changes the entire dialogue that, you know, what I've been writing about is largely a tiebreaker situation. And that's not what the what the discussion is about anymore. Now it's about seeding and, you know, if they win, where they'll end up finishing uh, tiebreaker wise. Right. So just just to, to run through it very quickly, the Ravens could no longer be the wild card. They can only be the division winners. So they have to they they win this game. Uh, they're in. And I, I'm, talking to, I'm going to talk about all outcomes that do not involve a tie because I believe it is still technically possible. No, it's not. 
they cannot they cannot uh, they cannot be a wild card at this point unless the Colts and Titans tied their game. No, even if they tie their game, the Ravens would would still be at nine and seven with a loss. Oh, if because they if, if they win, so they you would say division. if they lose. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, if they win, they win the division. So I guess if the Ravens tied and the Steelers won, maybe they'd. I don't, they could... I don't know. ESPN this morning was saying if the Ravens lost and the Colts and Titans tied, the Ravens would get in. But uh, they could be mistaken. No, they're mistaken. I think the Ravens tied and the Steelers win. The Steelers would win the tiebreaker, though. And and it could be. So it could be if there's two ties separately, the Ravens might have a, a, <laughs> right. a backdoor in. So anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk right. about all that. ties happen every day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, tw- and two ties, even more. All like right. That. So, yeah. Beat the Browns. We've got the division. Beat the Browns. They've got the division. But now there's also the question about seeding because – at one, they, they've they've done a pretty good job with flex scheduling in this in this final week. So they've they've moved the Tennessee Indianapolis game, which will be either for the AFC South championship or the number six seed. It'll be for one of those two things. If the Texans lose at one p.m., it'll be for the AFC South championship. If the uh, Texans win at one p.m., it'll be for the wild card. Okay. 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 Now, if the Texans lose, that opens the door for the Ravens to move up to the three seed. If the Patriots lose, that opens up the door for the Ravens to move up to the three seed. And if both lose, amazingly, the Ravens could still get a bye. Now, it's not a high probability. Uh, you know, frankly, the Browns game is the one that's in the most question in the entire AFC. The, the gamblers right. give the Ravens about a 68% chance to win this game. By the way, if you have a complaint about that number, don't complain to me. Bet it. Okay, it's out there. It's I, I just right. picked it directly off the money line. I you, didn't make that number up myself. You've got a <laughs> you've got a chance to to prove them wrong. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and do it and stop. You know, there's an old there's an old uh, movie. I don't know if you watch old old. You know, have seen any of these? I know you you watched a lot of the old <laughs> 1980s trashy comedy. Right, right. You're gonna things. gonna bring up something from before I was born again. I I am. This is it's a 1966 movie. Uh, 66. Uh, uh, movie, uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clint Eastwood. He, yes, Clint Eastwood. And, 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 and he, at, at one point, the one-armed man comes across this guy who's in a bathtub who's the who's sort of the villain of the movie. And and he goes, first I'm going to do this to you, then I'm going to do that to you. And all of a sudden, you hear these, these bullets ring out. And, and the guy shot him from inside the bathtub. He goes, when you're going to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. And and that's what I feel like about when people won't just bet the thing. Don't right. complain to me about it. Just anyway, get it done. Enough of the sidetracking for that very small payoff there. Anyway, we we uh, we we do want to see that, but there's a the the odds makers, not the odds makers, but the gamblers are make it uh, pretty small, about fourteen percent that the Steelers lose their game, and about twenty four percent that. Houston loses. I'm sorry that New England loses their game, right. and about 24 percent that the um, uh, the Texans will lose their game. Right. New, so, Eng- New England hosts the Jets. The uh, Steelers host the mm-hmm. Bengals, and then uh, what was the last one? Texans. Who yeah. Host, who they host Jacksonville. So it's all home games. Right. It's all lesser opponents. Um, beginning of the season, except, except for the Browns, they're begin- really right. the greater. Beginning of the season, Week 17, Browns looks pretty good. Now they're red hot, and it's not so uh, not so exciting. It's it's never good to play a team you think is bad in week seventeen. You want to play contenders in week seventeen. So we'd much rather play the Steelers. Well, we'd not much rather play the Steelers as of right now. It would have been a great game. It would have been the eight o'clock game on on uh, 
uh, NBC for sure if the, if it had right. been the Ravens Steelers. But we would we really like playing the Bengals is a is a good one because they're often a playoff contender and uh, you know it's it's just good to to play a team that you think is going to be good if they're already in they might roll for you uh-huh. so that's the that's the good news. Are you having flashbacks yet of Week 17 last year when oh, Ravens yeah. were also in a win you or you're in situation? Yeah, I mean uh, it's not just last year the 2013 team you know and their and their failure right. to get it done so. It's not like the, the Ravens haven't had some opportunities in the past that they've choked up. Now, they did make it work in the 2014 team. Uh, they had a reversal, and they got in in the final week, and then they went ahead and they went to Pittsburgh, and they beat the crap out of them, too. So I, I, here's the way I look at this season. The Ravens just won what is effectively the first of six playoff games, and they've earned the right to advance to Week 17 against the Browns. Okay? And then they'll play four more playoff games, we hope. Right, right. Well, but, but, right. Hopefully they get that buy buy mixed in there. Yes, if we want to throw some miracles in there, a buy would be helpful after two big games. There you go. It's about a, between a two and a three percent chance. I, I and I'm assuming right. independence of those three events. Hey, well, a couple of weeks ago the Dolphins had less than half a percent and they pulled out the win. There you go. So, all right, uh, let's get into the game then, and let's start with the pass rush because the story going into this game was really, can we stop Philip Rivers? Right. So. Uh, Pass rush was just terrific in this game. Uh, they did a lot of things right. So uh, let's start with the fact that the Chargers entered the game averaging eight y- net yards per pass. And we've heard that story before with the Chiefs, I know, but eight net yards per pass is terrific. And in this game, only 3.6 yards per pass. So terrific. Uh, tossed in two interceptions. Rivers did not throw a touchdown pass. Uh, they leaned on their outstanding corners. They moved Rivers off the spot with tremendous effectiveness. And unlike Mahomes, where they moved him off the spot pretty much at will, they only gave him 27% ample time and space. Similar in this game, they gave Rivers 32% ample time and space, just 13 of the 41 dropbacks. But Rivers moving off the spot was not nearly as comfortable throwing the football as Mahomes is. And Rivers really lives by a quick release to to get rid of the ball and and get rid of the ball from the pocket to be effective. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So they they definitely had him shaken up the whole time. He was. Uh, they got to him. They touched him. We saw guys that generally we don't even see on TV much still getting the rivers like Bowser and Peanut. Guys were yeah. getting guys were getting in and, and pressuring him the entire game. Yeah, we'll t- we'll talk a little bit about those guys in, in a little. Bowser, uh, n- nice game, nice pressure. Got some got a decent number of snaps in this game. Got a few more than normal. Uh, let's talk about the pass rush by numbers because they really they used a little bit above average numbers and certainly more than they did last week against Winston and Tampa Bay but they they used a pretty typical amount for the season 24 pass rushes with four 16 with five and one with six no extreme numbers no threes no sevens uh, during the game so you know very conservative pass rush I would call it um, the 24 to 16 is a little bit more heavily weighted towards numbers, but it's not extreme. A five-man rush, you know, it, it's defined as a blitz by some outlets that you read it. That's not what, where I define a blitz as breaking off. But in uh, um, any case, they did a fair number of deceptive things that went with that as well. So they, they sent 16 blitzers from offline scrimmage, which is very high, particularly for 41 dropbacks, which is a slightly below average number for the NFL these days. They had nine rushes with two dropping to coverage, two or more. is actually two every time. And they used seven stunts. Uh, so of the 41 
pass plays they had, eight of them were deceptive, which is one of the really high percentages of the season. It might be the highest. I didn't look back at every single game to see if that was true. But uh, but it was a, a high number and uh, really something that, that I think was was the plan. They, they needed to fool this offensive line. The Chargers did not have a good offensive line, not by any stretch. Their best player uh, is their left tackle, Russell Okung, and he had two holding penalties in the game, so he didn't have a good game, and the rest of the line is pretty darn bad. Mike Pouncey uh, really has problems anchoring, and if he didn't have the last name of Pouncey, I don't think anybody would normally associate him as being good. He you know, had a couple of good, decent years with the golf, Dolphins, I guess, but he's out there now and uh, uh, doesn't appear to be very good. Uh, so anyway, he... He had a tough game as well, particularly against the run and anchoring on some of that. But uh, but in, in terms of the in terms of the pass rate, it's just it's a it's a pretty bad offensive line, and it's hard for me to believe honestly that they've been able to protect Rivers as well as they have for the whole year because he's only been sacked twice per game exactly, uh, 30, 28 snaps in fourteen games okay. coming into this into this week. So it's hard for me to believe that they, he has not been sacked more given that that very weak line. All right. Um... The Chargers had some big penalties on the offensive side that set them back. Uh, three first downs that they should have gotten that got called back with penalties. Are you the type of guy who looks at this as the Chargers hurt themselves or were the Ravens defense playing them so tight that they were forced to try to do this stuff to beat the Ravens and got caught? Okay, so, yeah, they did have big offensive penalties that hurt them. And and they had penalties on, on defense as well. But the offensive plays run and pass hurt them very badly. So they had they had on pass plays they had three called back for big penalties. So they had a excuse me, a 28-yard gain, a 27-yard gain, a 7-yard gain, all first downs called back by an offensive pass interference, a illegal shift where Allen was still arguing the offensive pass interference and then a uh, illegal block in the back uh, as well, I'm sorry, that was on a run play, a holding call that negated a seven-yard first down. So they had three, those three that uh, that really set them back in the passing game. Yeah, and and the the this team was no uh, friend of the refs. I don't know if I've seen a team whine more during a game as the Chargers. I know Rivers has a reputation for that, but apparently it is contagious in L.A. <laughs> yeah, he's he is pretty bad, and uh, there's one play where. Zedarius Smith took him down, very clean hit. <clears throat> he had him collared up high. Right. But he didn't hit him in the head. He just took him down kind of by the neck. And Rivers immediately pulled off his helmet. And and Rivers, frankly, should have been penalized for taking his helmet off on the field Except for he, 15 yards. Well, what he did is he tried to say that he, the helmet was knocked <clears throat> off of him. Which is it worse. Was pushed up <laughs> over him, which it, it was clear that he was tackled, yeah, by the top of his body, but the helmet was never ripped off right well i thought i it kind of looked to me like he took his helmet off to argue with the referee directly and kind of show him he hit in the chin right here well you can't take your helmet off on the field you just can't do it and that's that's one of those things he should have been he should have been penalized right there for that i and wish i wish they did because i would have loved to see rivers react to them that he, he would have spazzed that's for sure so uh anyway that, that was a big uh was that a sack ending drive anyway? I think it was. So yes. Um, so anyway, it would have just been a 15 yard foul, and that would have been that would have been nice field position to give away for that kind of stupidity by Rivers. Um, that was just in the passing game. In the run game, the Ravens drew two holding calls, and those were really drawn. One was on Suggs, where Okung was trying to 
protect that left edge. Suggs seemed to have it, but uh, Okung backed up into the pocket, kind of pulling Suggs with him, and you could then see it as Suggs tried to go away after the ball carrier. Okung still had a good hold on him. Uh, so that was one of them. That was a key one. There was an illegal block in the back, past the line of scrimmage, where I think the ball was probably spotted improperly. And then there was a, another holding call on the center pouncey where Pierce destroyed him, frankly, on the play, was in the backfield about to make a play, and and Pouncey dragged him down. So, uh, you know, it was cases where the Ravens basically had beaten them. But the, the, the illegal block in the back was by a receiver on Weddle. It was totally unnecessary and egregious. I'm not even sure it would have been called if there hadn't already been a block in the back on the backfield on that play. And we've seen that already once this year where there had to be two block in the backs on a single play for the second one to get called. So uh, uh, kind of weird. Yeah, and uh, the Ravens, uh, both the defense continues to do this thing where this was the fifth time this season they had set an opponent back to that, that game with the Ravens being their season lowest uh, offensive production. Yeah, that's that's a great trend to have is that the, the Ravens keep – being able to do that and, and set new lows for the, for the other team. You know, it's, it's a great defense. I love this defense in so many ways, but the thing I'm liking about it is they're really maybe forging a new path for defenses in the NFL where you really concern yourself with snap count to an extreme, extreme degree and all three levels they're rotating. I've never seen that before. They do have three guys who play an awful lot of snaps. So Mosley plays almost every snap and so do Weddle and Jefferson. But aside from that, they rotated all the corner spots. And not only have I almost never seen that lifetime, I can say I've never seen it in December when all teams across the league are are scraping for any kind of cornerback who's still healthy. You know, and, and the Ravens have six guys right now who I think can play. We don't know if Kennedy can play, but he could last year. He could play slot corner last year for us just fine. You got us down the stretch. So, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been able to come on for any snaps this year, uh, or at least not since the opener. Uh, Averett has played very well whenever he's been in there. He's not getting any snaps right now, and the, and they're they're splitting their four uh, their four main corners are all splitting snaps. And I, I I'm imagining nobody's really happy with with getting a reduced workload. Right. Uh, Humphrey's not even starting, and he's the best defensive player on the team. I would argue so. Uh, you know, it's it's just a it's a very strange set of circumstances here, but it's one that I think a lot of other teams are going to look at and say, particularly on the defensive line, uh, but also at, at linebacker now. Owasu, and we're going to talk about Owasu in a minute here yes. because he had you know the game of his life, but but Owasu and Kenny Young combined now have played seven hundred and some snaps here. And I will try and get you that number here because I know I have it written down here. Um, Anyway, just 700 and some snaps for the year. They have eight sacks between them, and they only play 79% of the snaps for the Ravens as a team. And they always get taken off in the most obvious passing situations. So that's when you really dial up your blitzes and you try to get to the quarterback and make sure he has to get the ball out quickly on third down, and that's where a lot of the sacks occur. It is shocking that those guys could have combined for eight sacks, aside from the fact that neither of them is all that great a player. I mean, I'm, you know, they're not bad players, and Owasu's right. been, you know, certainly been playing a lot better late, lately, but they're, not, they're also not you know, these great blitzing inside linebackers you think of 
accumulating eight sacks in a season. Well, and that's the thing that's interesting about this defense is those those backup guys, guys you don't hear of. In this game, they were making impacts. Where we saw yeah. Bowser get in there, we saw Urban uh, get in for a play, and and actually impact and affect the game. On the secondary side, they weren't on TV much because Rivers couldn't find open guys that often. That's that's a real good point. So the secondary looked great, and they they uh, they did really lean on this secondary for a lot of the success the pass rush had, and the secondary when they did get in, involved in the in the play, they made plays. Humphrey, yes. you know, made a play. Jefferson made a terrific diving pass defense, and then Humphrey made a play on the football in the end zone, and so did Carr. Of course, we talked about earlier in terms of taking the ball away from the receiver, and I you know high pointing that football. And be able to knock it away is is a B plus, but it's an A plus if you can take it away and hold on to it. Right. Um, Sixteen carries for fifty one yards, averaging three point two yards per carry. Can yeah. You, can I, you do any better than that? Yes, you, you can because you can also toss in three penalties. We talk about the high variance events and run plays. A lot of those high variance events on run plays occur when you get a penalty because it's it's hard to get a guy for a minus five. Uh, you know, if they're, if they're consistently churning out three yards, that's not generally hurting their chance of getting a first down too much. But, you know, it's it's the fumbles when you get those. And they had one on a pass play. They didn't have any on the run plays. But they did have three penalties that really set it back. And all three of those penalties stalled drives. It wasn't just they denied first downs like they did with those pass plays. All three of those stalled three individual drives. So, anyway, it was a really good uh, set of events. And the last of the penalties... Uh, came right before the the first and 20 pass play to Gates was then fumbled. Now, they would have tried a pass play like that to Gates anyway, so the down and distance didn't matter too much. But uh, but it was it was it put them back in a position where they had a chance to get a four-down stop, and, uh, and they did get it. Right. The Ravens keep daring the teams to run against this nickel defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a great point, Josh, is, is that they're, uh, they're really – Lining up against the nickel, they've now lined up, I had the number here, 43 times, sorry, 37 times in the last seven games, they've lined up with four defensive backs on the field. So that's when you get the third lineman on if you're not going to play some sort of special thing like the jumbo nickel we've talked about. That doesn't happen very often at all. So 37 times in the last seven games, that's 5.3 times per game, they're offering them three defensive linemen. So Almost every play, they're saying, yeah, come on, run it run it at us. Let's see if you can make it. And this in this game, they even had a really weird situation where they had the nickel in on the goal line on second and one. Okay, so let's set the stage a little bit. You had the fumble at the beginning of the second half that set the Chargers up with the 17-yard field they were able to convert for the touchdown. First play from scrimmage from the 17, they got a 13-yard run up the middle as their biggest run of the day. Then the second play they actually had a busted play where Williams broke through the line of scrimmage drove back Pouncey so badly that the left guard who was trying to pull couldn't get it done and we talk about that on the offensive side sometimes about the inability of a center to anchor can occasionally cause the guard not to be able to pull well this is an actual example of it and Feeney the left guard who was trying to pull it just had to do the best he could kind of stood up right against uh uh Williams of the play who'd made three yards of penetration in the backfield and Gordon was somehow able to maneuver around that cut back behind that pile up and get a three yard gain to the one. Well, anyway, now the Ravens have 
second and goal at the one. And you figure if you're ever going to put in a third defensive lineman or a fourth defensive lineman, which might even be more typical, you'd get them on the field now. The Ravens were in the nickel, and they stayed in the nickel. But what's really weird is they substituted Jimmy Smith into the game for Tavon Young on that play. So they decided to stay in the nickel. Now, I'm going to tell you, I realize that when you're substituting at the goal line, it could be a challenge to get a big man onto the field. But it's even more of a challenge sometimes to get a big man off the field. So he'll be involved in a tackle. He'll be on the far side of the field. And the real difficulty, and the, the thing that a quarterback can often exploit, is the fact that that player is almost to the sideline, but not quite. He can kind of see it out of the corner of his eye. He can make the snap get, you know, cause the snap to be to be delivered earlier, and then that then he'll get a five yard penalty or free play or whatever it might be. So anyway, that that they had a chance, I think, to put on extra big defenders. They didn't do it. They just went to a different nickel, and then of course Gordon just immediately followed the double team into the end zone for the for the Chargers lone touchdown of the day so I, it was interesting I, I i was watching the game that thought i thought that the chargers maybe would try and run more in that second half it's not really that they didn't try as much they really did try and run the ball they just kept getting a holding penalties that would set them back and end drives and that's what really was the story of that second half is they had three big penalties on drives that that, that stalled three of their seven second half drives all right, uh, let's get to some individual players, and then we gotta we gotta start with Peanut because he had, I think, the game of his career, maybe. Yeah, I, undoubtedly the game of his career. So um, he had uh, he had some plays that have probably been forgotten in this game, but he, he got a quick tackle for a, a three yard gain uh, of Green, and Green's a tight end, a big guy. That was early in the game. And he's quiet for most of the rest of the first half. Uh, but I thought he did he did a outstanding job and both of his sacks involved Jackson, the, the running back. The first time he bowled and shed Jackson for a, for a sack minus eight, and that was uh, five minutes into the third quarter. The next time uh, he set up the sack for Urban by being the underneath guy. Now that's atypical for a linebacker and even more atypical for a linebacker's night right on the line of scrimmage. So he was like a yard off the line of scrimmage and he delayed for, I want to say a half a beat. I don't know what I'll call that, but less than a second, but, but, but he wasn't right up at the snap the way other pass rushers often are. And he jumped in there just to the left, just into the a gap where the running back was setting up and he was also hitting the, right shoulder of the right guard, sorry, left shoulder of the right guard. And he went right between those two and Urban immediately looped past him and through the naked A gap and, and got a fairly quick sack on that play. And Urban really had the first contact. Smith then wrapped up his legs almost at the same time, but not quite. And he got half the sack on that. But it was a very pretty play and it was pretty clearly a design play. It looked like Peanut was not really trying to make progress towards the pass rusher himself. He was trying to go across that that shoulder of, uh, of of the right guard and try to get him turned so that uh, Urban could make a play around him and it worked out worked out perfectly beautiful play beautiful sack Peanut's contribution to that sack shouldn't be lost just because he didn't show up on the stat sheet for right. it he helped create that opportunity no doubt about it and then of course he came back and and beat Gordon again to the outside this time for a, another fast sack minus eight so while Gordon is a very dangerous player. He did not do them a lot of good in terms of his pass blocking in this game. That's uh, to say the least. I mean, their offensive line has enough problems, but Gordon really didn't get the job done either uh, as a pass blocker. 
Uh, and then he comes back at the end of the game, you know, two fifty four to go, and delivers that game sealing forced fumble on Gates, and it, and it was returned by Tavon for the touchdown. Lights go out, and uh, we're jumping up and down screaming. Right, right. Great job coming in there and, and getting that ball out. Um, speaking of, you were talking about the uh, Chargers having trouble with the block in. Terrell Suggs was getting through that line every play. It seemed like he was in that backfield. Yeah, he, he did a lot of good things in this game, and I, I did not score him with as many pressures as I've seen elsewhere. I have him for a quarterback hit on the very first play, which ended up being the interception by Carr, and I have him for five more pressures in the game. Now, that's a that's an okay game. No problems with that. What also was great about Suggs is he played the run well and made a good offside, what do I say that, uh, backside uh, pursuit run tackle. He, he had a great... Uh, um, diagnosis of a screen pass he drew a holding call on a run play I mean it was it was a little bit of everything for Terrell in this game it wasn't just any one thing like it wasn't just all pressure uh he didn't convert anything into a sack which was unfortunate but you know he did he did his part in in creating pressure and he did a bunch of other stuff as well all right uh you mentioned Marlon Humphrey not even the starter but he made it clear that he should have gotten better consideration for this Pro Bowl yeah, I, I I think he could be. He certainly could be a Pro Bowler this year. So maybe he's he's sitting somewhere on the alternate list. I honestly don't know how deep that is. Oftentimes they announce it a couple deep, and often a quarterback in particular, nobody really wants to play. Right. And you know, they, you get down to the sixth alternate, I and you got Tyrod Taylor in the Pro Bowl all right. of a sudden. The hope is none of these Ravens are available for the Pro Bowl. That is exactly the hope. Thank you for uh, thank you for restating that. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we definitely want that. Humphrey didn't even play that many snaps in this game. He played 41 in the game. So, you know, not what a starting cornerback plays normally. Uh, by the way, I, I mean, I can't even tell you how, how rare this rotation thing is. But when you see it, uh, or sorry, it, it's normal. Your starting cornerback on either side will play almost every snap. They'll come out for injury, and they'll come out if – there's a, a, a short yardage or goal line situation, but they otherwise won't come out. So they'll play all but two or three snaps, you know, in a game normally if they don't get hurt. And it's just it's so weird to see cornerbacks with totals like 40 or 45 snaps right. in, in a game where, where, you, where you have 60. And, you know, they're splitting the snaps four ways. So anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and then it's proven because all those guys are playing as we discussed. Uh, the game starts out with Brandon Carr interception. I mean, that's a huge momentum starter. Yeah, I, a big play, and Carr's had a big year. He's done a lot of things well. Uh, I think you can probably make a good argument for keeping Brandon Carr. Of course, the best argument for not keeping Brandon Carr is that you've got a whole bunch of other people who can currently play the position. But I, I, I firmly believe now we're going to go all the way through camp. They're going to see what Carr has. And they may just decide at the last moment whether or not they, they really want to cut him, whether or not their depth is held up, uh, you know, in 2019 the way it has in 2018. If it does, you know, I, I think they, there's a good chance they might release him. But on the other hand, he's been a real bargain. He's been a, he's been a good player at the right price for two years. His contract is not exorbitant. Essentially, is a series of one-year options for the Ravens had to have him at approximately $6 million each year. And they can cut him cheaply, or they can keep him, and he's not that expensive. So it's a it's a great two way deal for the Ravens uh, come right. next year. And depth has been so important this year in their new game style that you would think keep him around. Yeah, I I would think. I mean, they're going to cut Jimmy Smith, so that's going to be a big cut. 
and then they're going right, to right. But that's they, price tag related. It's price tag related, and so would car. Car would be about a, a okay. five million dollars savings maybe next year. I don't know the exact amount. So so it, it'll be it'll be a significant savings, not as much, but it's two in your depth chart to cut down, and then you then you start to get scary. You might be cutting bone. They're going to have to draft another corner. You would figure on that. And then Averett and Kennedy have to step up and both be able to play full time, and we'll have to see that that happens. So it's a little bit scary to do that. I think there's a All there's right. a probably a thirty to fifty percent chance right now if I had a handicap it that they'd actually keep Carr for next year. Okay. Well, Tavon Young will be here next year, and he's made an impact again. Yeah, boy. I mean, Tavon made a really nice play on a quick takedown in the backfield on a pass. Uh, takedown. I think that was Jackson for a loss of two, but I may be wrong. It might it might have been Gordon, and and he also, of course, had the had the big penalty at the end to pick up that fumble. To put this in perspective, there have been very few people in the history of the NFL who've returned two fumbles for their touchdown in career. In fact, there's only I want to say there's only a hundred that have returned. No, it might only be 40 that have returned three or more. And I better have my stats right before I say something like this. But anyway, it's a small number. All right, and he's gotten two. Yes. Um, All right, let's get to your MVPs. Actually, I've got MVPs too, so it'll be our MVPs of the uh, Chargers game. Let's start with number three. My guy's Terrell Suggs. Broad variety of contributions. Unfortunately, didn't get a sack, but he did just about everything else in this game. And I gave it to Tony Jefferson simply for his hit on Mike Williams, where he came from across the field uh, like a Mack truck to knock, the, knock Mike down. Yeah. Also because I, I had to give him some credit for tweeting out yesterday, dang, PFF gave me a grade of 46.3, the lowest for me ever. According to them, I had the worst game of my career. That, I, I saw that too. That was absolutely right. hilarious. He, had, he, he, did have, he did have some big penalties. But then he got it together, and just for that hit, I'm giving him my number three. Tony, open invitation right now. If you want to be on our show, anybody who, who tweets with him regularly, if you want to be on our show, we'd love to have you on. Make your own case for why you're a better safety than everybody says. I already agree with it, so uh, it's going to be an easy conversation. But we can also talk some real practical football, and hopefully he'll teach us something. So it'd be real cool if you'd come on the, sh- on the show. <laughs> okay, right. you're number my number two guy probably by this point is Marlon Humphrey. And, uh, you know, another PD in this game and the big interception to, to you know, seal it for good on uh, with what a minute and change left to go in the end zone and a very athletic, acrobatic interception to go up for that football uh, playing incredible football is one of the real reasons to believe the Ravens can go up against great, good quarterbacks all through the playoffs and hold their own. They certainly have the last six weeks. And I'm giving it to Tavon Young uh, for that return near the end of the game. Uh, he excited me his rookie year, and it's exciting to see him making an impact this year and hopefully continue growing. Yeah, very cool indeed. Agree with that one. Number one for me, Patrick Owasu. I gave you all the reasons before. Don't forget the hidden reasons. I think one thing that also will show up in other sources is some of the ability to stretch plays, and he had a he had a missed tackle effectively that stretched a play far to the left that ended up going down for either a gain of one or a loss of one. It was a, it was a effectively no gain, um, where he made a good play to contain the player. And that's not a bad play. It's actually a good play to be over there, even if you miss the tackle on such a play. And, and I just want people to understand some of these hidden value that you get. But we often don't look at the guy who blew up the run play. We often don't look at the guy who drew the holding call. We often don't look at the guy who 
who had some form of containment but didn't end up getting the tackle. So, you know, these are, these are great things. And Owasu had several of those contributions, including the one that led to the sack. So great game for him and it had by far the best of his career. Yep. And my uh, where's my, my number one is Brandon Carr. We went into this game talking about how we had to shut down Rivers. The knock against the defense was turnovers. And to start the game off with an interception just sets up that momentum. And, hey, the team ended up getting three turnovers for a team that never gets turnovers. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a really good one. It's nice to see that defense turn in three turnovers in a game like this, and and they were turnovers they had to have. The first one was beautiful, set up a set up a field goal. But the the second one was uh uh you know you know the game winner with uh, with three minutes to go, and then the game sealer after that. Beautiful beautiful stuff. Right. Um. All right. Film uh, study mailbag. It's the hashtag you use on Twitter to get in your questions for Ken. And Ken, I love it. When a question comes in, and I read it, and I, and it's a question that I had during the game as well, so I love those. So the first one up is Ed. Why were so many of Gus's runs against, uh, he said San Diego, he means L.A., yep. off tackle or to the outside generally instead of right up the gut, which has been so successful recently? I, I do not have a good answer for that, not at all. The only thing I can think of is this, that there might have been a desire to run right at Bosa and Ingram, who are slightly smaller guys and outstanding pass rushers, and the desire to wear them down with the Ravens' offensive tackles, particularly Orlando Brown on the right side. So if you if you want to run the ball up the middle, well, those guys are, are, are quickish, and they'll have the ability to collapse. Now, we've talked about it in advance that Jackson kind of limits them in terms of their ability to do that. But if you run right at them, you can really wear them down pretty quickly, and you might have the advantage of wearing them down as pass rushers. But I can't otherwise come up with a good reason not to run straight up the gut against the Chargers. They're a lightish unit overall. Uh, they seem to be made for doing exactly what the Ravens have been doing uh, in recent weeks. And the Ravens had that big snap count advantage in the first half. And if they'd been able to convert a little bit in the second half, I think we would have seen a lot more straight-ahead running. Is it fear of Derwin James? Well, I, I don't know why they would particularly fear him on the run. I mean, if, you, if you're going to – I don't want to have Derwin James coming in from the side if I'm going to run up the middle. That would be my only thing. I want to run right at Derwin James. Gotcha. All right, uh, Mark gets in. Could you describe the energy in the stadium? And also, on the young run, uh, running back, touch, run back touchdown, Rivers tries to hit someone trailing the other the sideline. Is that a dirty play? Well, I missed it, and I'll have to wait and see it. And probably on the All-22 is going to be the best angle to, to see something better than what you saw on TV. So I'll, I'll, I'll try and do that when that comes out. That won't be until midnight tonight. So anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll look for that. We'll talk about that part of it on the offensive podcast. In terms of the electricity in the stadium, I, I, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but really good two-way electricity. It was not a hostile crowd on either side. You know, there's a little bit of talking about it. One, one guy, a couple rows in front of me, wanted to try and educate me on, on what intentional grounding was. I tell you, that was a lot of fun. And so it, it, it wasn't a bad situation, though. It was a kind of normal back-and-forth banter in the way you'd like it to be, not, you know, European soccer stadium, we want to kill each other banter. <laughs> right. Um, all right, Rick gets in. Is there a scenario where the Ravens can win the wild card with 10 wins and the Texas losing their – Texans losing their final two games okay so I think that question is is dated now yeah. so uh it's not it's no, not it's possible not for the Ravens to win the wild card period right um let's see 
I know Kenny Young is a rookie and only playing downhill, but have you seen anything that says he can't or won't be able to develop uh, to cover next season as well as he plays the run? This is in from Sean. Okay, you know, I'm not, I would never tag anybody with that, as in they, they can never improve. Kenny Young has a tremendous amount of natural talent. And as I've said, you know, the combination of Owasu and Young, as much as it's criticized and thought of as being really the weak link on the Ravens, has eight sacks. And then if you really want to talk about it, the, the third guy in that triplet playing in there is Anthony Levine. And you know what kind of year he's had in terms of his contributions to the Ravens winning and and, the, and having a good dime defense. So, you know, I, I look at it as, as there's really a lot of contribution kind of coming from that spot, much more than I really gave credit for before. And Kenny Young, I would look at him as a player that uh, they'll do what they can to try and work with him during the during the offseason, which they're not allowed to do too much of on site. But they'll they'll encourage him to work with somebody outside the organization that, that can teach him some of that um, understanding of the route tree that may be occurring behind you, which is the biggest thing about Young's game. He needs to be able to look at the quarterback, read the quarterback and basically use his peripheral vision to manage what routes are currently being run and that he might be responsible and where lane-wise he needs to be. Be able to watch that quarterback go through his progressions and get to the potential, get to the, the lane. Uh, you know, a guy who could teach him that exactly and, and would really be of help to him, I think, would be Anthony Levine. It's, it's one of his really great strengths. And I don't know who he learned it from. Maybe he could send him to the right guy. In some ways, they're kind of competing for playing time, but I don't really believe they are in the long run. I think that uh, you know, eventually Kenny Young will play a bigger role in this team and Levine will be retired. But, uh, you know, it's it's a interesting uh, dynamic there. And he's certainly someone who understands that part of the game very well and would be a good teacher, I think, for Young. All right. Uh, Caleb gets in. I saw Bowser's name called on Saturday. Is he coming on and getting playing time over Williams? Well, Williams is is in the doghouse right now, and and we don't know the exact details. Zrebeck has talked a little bit about uh, he he basically is back and practicing fully, but apparently he lost some weight and may have either allowed himself to to fall out physically a little bit. But the other thing I'm hearing is that he's not really prepared in the way the Ravens would like him to be. So he made a big point this this summer to really be applying himself on special teams and he's getting a fair amount of kudos from Rosberg in terms of that but if he's fallen back in special teams or if he's fallen back certainly in any kind of defensive responsibilities uh, you know that would that wouldn't be good so uh, you know that's what that's what uh, is reporting and and I I think it's probably likely true if he's still not playing so getting back to Bowser in terms of is he he's not taking the playing time directly from Williams Williams is losing that playing time himself. But, yeah, but but he but he got 16 snaps in in the last game against against the Chargers. That's more than he had been getting, and the Chargers only gained 26 yards on his 16 snaps, and they had three of the sacks, uh, and and one of the turnovers during that. So so a really good showing by Bowser. Bowser had a sack for plus one effectively, so it didn't get counted as a sack. But he chased Rivers down for a one yard gain that he just left a pocket, and just got past the line of scrimmage. I actually thought it was a sack for zero. But they, they gave him a yard on the play, which means it's not a sack anymore. But that's effectively what it was, a sack for plus one. Okay. Let's close up the mailbag with Chuck. I noticed the Ravens run on a lot of plays out of shotgun versus the Chargers and a lot of shotgun runs. Did they use this formula more than they had in the past, and was it successful? Yeah, they they uh, you know, they run out of 
out of the shotgun when they run the pistol, and that's what you what you need to run the read option with. So so they're gonna they're gonna all of their play action plays that Flacco would have taken from under center turned his back to the defense, faked the handoff, which was very effective at, and then turned to the off turned to the field and and make his progressions and his reads. Um, they don't really do that with Lamar. Lamar, if he ha- turns his back on the field, he's probably running with the football, or at least he's going to run to create a secondary pocket to throw the football. He, he doesn't. He doesn't really run standard play option. He runs uh, always is looking at the field, fakes the handoff at the mesh point in front of him, and then he'll 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 either run with it himself or throw it. And those are considered play-action passes in most totals you'll see about the Ravens. So uh, that's interesting. We, I know we got one more by email, too, Josh. Did, did we get we, to that we, one? We started off with that one. Okay, that was the very first good. question about Gus running uh, up left and right, not up the middle. Um, all right, so, Ken, Russell Street Report, I'm sure you're, you're breaking all this down. I know we were recording this a little early, so it's probably not up there yet, but it will be soon, right? That's right. We'll we'll be out there soon. Lots of tables, more tabular data to to, to look at and whatnot. And uh, uh, follow me on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. And Josh, how about your plugs? Yeah, for uh, sports. Well, let's plug Section Three Thirty Six. Go check out that podcast, especially this week because normally it covers Orioles and Ravens. Uh, there's no Orioles news this week. The Ravens had a huge week, so it's one hundred percent Ravens talk this week on Section Three Thirty Six. So check that out. Uh, all right, very all right. cool. Yeah, so then, Ken, we will be back in a couple days to break down the offense and Lamar Jackson's 200-yard passing game. There you go. You have, a, you have a great Christmas, Josh. I really appreciate working with you all this year, and uh, it's it's just been a lot of fun. One, one more game left this year. For the there Ravens, you go. For the Ravens. Then we get to talk about the 2019 Ravens. No, we get to talk about the about the playoff Ravens, and let's yes. not forget it, Josh. Yes. Hey, for, by the way, for any of you people, have, if you have lost the love of live football, give yourself another chance this coming Sunday. Go be loud. I don't think it's going to be that hard to get tickets because of the, the 425 game, and everybody's got some complaint about it. But go there and have fun at a live football game because there's still nothing like it. And, uh, and I just really I, encourage people to, to And I've noticed, that. I'm sure you've noticed this too for the past uh, six weeks, that the average football fan, the average Ravens fan, uh, Lamar Jackson excites them. They might yeah. not know who it is, but they know that watching the Ravens is now different than it was seven weeks ago in the style of football. So it's something more exciting for the common fan. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, most people like offense more than they like defense. That's always been the case in virtually every sport that I've ever known. So, uh, you know, I love watching great defense. I've never lost my love for live football from that. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. I mean, hey, go see Lamar Jackson if that's what floats your boat. But go just enjoy live football just because it's a hell of a lot of fun. And you know what? If you don't like defense, Saturday was a wonderful defense performance and a whole lot of fun uh, to watch with the Chargers. So let's hope games like that continue for the defensive side of the ball. I can't wait
are a community bank that believes in community banks. Through the Total Card Management Program, TCM Bank serves as a direct issuer of credit cards for banks who prefer not to issue cards themselves. From credit card portfolio purchases to startup programs, we collaborate with our partners in the delivery of innovative and competitive credit card solutions. Learn more by visiting www.tcmbank.com. TCM Bank, dedicated to helping you, not competing with you. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. When you need to work quickly and confidently across different apps and platforms, consistent quality communication is key. Whether you're writing documents, emails, or presentations, you need Grammarly. It's an AI writing partner that helps you get your work done faster with better writing. It's always there to help because it works where you work, across 500,000 apps and websites, so you can get more done no matter where you're writing. Grammarly is the gold standard of responsible AI, trusted by millions of professionals for 15 years. It gives you personalized writing suggestions based on your audience, goals, and context, plus tone suggestions to help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. 96% of users agree. Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.